What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What happens in the woods is a true crime podcast. We discuss events that are often violent in nature. Listener's discretion is advised. Welcome to What Happens in the Woods podcast. Bonus Halloween episode. With special guests, Christy and Beth. From Crimes and Closets. Hello, welcome to the most honored and sacred occasions here at the campfire, my friends. You know why you're here. This is our fourth annual Halloween collab with our podcast besties, the ladies from Crimes and Closets, Christy and Beth. Hey, ladies. Hi! Fourth annual. That's amazing. Isn't that scary thought? I really had to like do the math and I was like, wait a minute. We we're this is gonna be our fourth together doing this. It's crazy. Yeah, we just recorded an intro before we got on with you guys to do this and for this like, you know, however many weeks ago. And she Beth was mentioning like, oh, we are gonna do our collab, blah blah blah. What is this? Our third? I'm like, no, fourth. Yeah, it's our fourth. Yeah. <laughs> we're seniors. I know, yeah. right? It's it's like we know oh, what man. we're doing now. <laughs> Maybe. And it's so fun. I just love it. I love that we do this. I do. Yes. Well, I hope we never stop. I mean, well, we never. can't. It's Unless one of us stops podcasting, we can't. Right. Even at that, oh, we might have guys. to make an exception and like, well, you know, have, have guest starring roles, even if we're not podcasting anymore, if somebody else still is. That's true. Yeah. They do it on TV. Why can't we do it with podcasts? Exactly. So you may notice that we are missing a member, and that is Bryce. He unfortunately cannot join us for this leg of our journey, but we are hoping that we're going to regroup and he's going to be back with us. So don't have any fear. His uh ahas and yeses and ohs are, they're going to be there. They're coming. Mm-hmm. They're coming. Yes, <laughs> we miss you we, guys. Yeah, we do miss you, and may, maybe he'll pop in at some point if possible. But for now, he's not here. <laughs> oh, is he gonna come? As okay, we as we see. just said, he's not here. Now he is. <laughs> yes, you made it. <laughs> you made me a liar. Is what you did. <laughs> You made history, Bryce. Yes, he's here. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, I guess we can just delete all of that then. We don't even have to. <laughs> I mean, right. Just roll with it. Just roll with it. <laughs> all right. Well, welcome, sir. Hello. Oh, hello. 
<laughs> we are kicking off this episode this year with a little change. So this year, Christy and I will be your hosts on our podcast. And then the Killer Bees will be taking over Crimes and Closets for their episode on Monday, October 30th. So you guys, the theme we have for you this year is arguably the best that we've had. I'm just going to call Thank it. Thank you. Yes. 100%. So, well, we get we get better with time. We do, so, right? You know, we are aging yeah. like mm-hmm. fine wine. I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So backstory, we all kind of meet, uh, well, the four of us meet for quarterly meetings just so we can like get together. Not everybody knows that. Um, that's just for us. But we get together, we chat, we kind of, you know, share what's going on with each other. And then, of course, we plan what, what we're collabing mm-hmm. on. And so, you know, when we met for our last meeting, Beth had this idea and it was, I mean, it was perfect. It just is perfect. So yeah, came out of her mouth and we were like, yes, that's it. Yeah, that was it. No discussion. (laughs) We were like meeting adjourned. Done. We're perfect. Mm -hmm. This year, we are bringing you horror movies that are based on true crime cases. And I will say for myself, I was surprised at how many movies like this there are. Um, I don't mean like documentaries or Dateline episodes. I'm actually meaning like Hollywood or streamed movies. There's a ton. And they're not new either, as you will come to find out later. This has been going on for a long time. So mm-hmm. art imitates life. Can I Can I also just quickly remind you, do you remember our quarterly meeting when Beth's like, there's 30 of them. And then like five minutes later, she's like, no, there's like 40. Right. And there's 50. There's, Every they kept length. going up yeah. in number <laughs> how many movies there were as the night went on. She's like, guys, there's like 60 <laughs> to choose from. It was by the end of the meeting, we were at a hundred and something there was to choose from. Like every, it was like, oh my God, there's millions. <laughs> we only needed to pick four. Right. Yep. <laughs> All right, so we will be ladies and gentlemen here in the woods and allow our guests to go first. So, Christy, are you ready? Take it away. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I was totally expecting to listen first, but all right, I'm ready. I'm ready. I've got my case up here on my computer, so here we go. Um, I, guys, going to Long Island for this one. So forgive me if the Long Island comes out every now and then. I'm... I wanted to do the whole thing in Long Island accent, but I don't think that that's possible. So uh, it's possible. Um, from there originally for those who don't know. Oh yes. That's where I'm from. That's where I'm from. Um, okay. So we are going to Amityville. Ooh. Oh, the Amityville horror, <laughs> which I watched a really long time ago, mm-hmm. but I don't know when you guys watched it last. <laughs> Did you know there was a remake with Ryan Gosling? A hundred percent. I yeah. did not, and I did not watch that, though. Wait, is oh, it Ryan dang, Reynolds or Ryan Gosling? I thought it was Ryan Reynolds. Oh, wait a minute. See, I get them confused. Well, whatever. It's one of them. But it still shocked me. <laughs> yeah, no. Way. I Yeah, because I was like, is he like five? How is he old enough to be the dad? He was so young. I mean, both of them yeah. would be. I, I don't remember which one it is either. It now. was done in 2005 or yeah, something. Like I, was like, I didn't watch it, but I do want to watch it just because I'm curious. So I think that's like, the version that I watched. I don't think I've actually been able to watch the old, the original version. Well, oh, that's sad. It is something. It is something. And I rewatched it because I, it's been so long that I was like, I got to watch this and see it. And it is amazing. So <laughs> maybe someday. 
Yeah. And clearly, like, I'm sure that most people know this story. It's a oh, pretty yeah. popular one. And I don't um, know if you guys know this, but I think, Beth, you put me onto the podcast that Donnie Wahlberg narrated. Yes. On this, what? like, very scary people or something. It's yes. a whole series on it. It's yeah. really good. Oh, I'm It's Ryan Reynolds, by the way. Okay. Sorry. I said Gosling. My bad. Whatever. I guess it was, like, wishful thinking it was Gosling. I mean, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so there's been very uh, many versions and sequels to this, like 20. Did you know that to this movie? What? No. I didn't know that, actually. This was like a fun fact. Cast fun fact. Fun fact. Um, There was like 20 of them, and I didn't didn't watch any of them. I only watched the OG for a refresher, and it was truly amazing. The movie came out in 79, so I was two. No, I was one. I don't even Mm -hmm. know how old I am. Um. And it was based on a book at, that starred, or the movie starred James Brolin mm-hmm. and Margot Kidder. Oh, my God. I remember that. Oh, my God. The lady from Superman who, who yes. like went batshit crazy, right? Yes. 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 It was very good. Um, Emery was actually studying because he's studying for a bunch of tests right now while I was watching. And every now and then he'd like look up and be like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? what is going on? This movie is like the cheesiest movie in the world. And it totally is. Um, and it totally amazed me how not scary it was. Cause I remember at the time that I first watched it thinking, this is the worst thing ever. It's totally not scary. Not a scary movie. Um, it depicts a house that a mass murder occurred in. And then when a new family moves in, they experience paranormal activity. That's so scary to them that they end up leaving in less than a month time of living there that's basically the gist of the movie um they experience such things as it being cold all the time this dark green slash like black slime coming from the toilets and walls flies filling the room and then they'd all of a sudden be gone members of the clergy would get sick just from being in the home or attempting to warn the family about the home Um, there's like a pig like creature with red eyes that would look at them from one of the windows. It was weird. Oh, that's a hard pass. No, absolutely not. Pig like Mm -hmm. culture. Literally. It would be like a pig face with red eyes and it was looking out the window at them. Oh my God. Um, there's also a portal to hell in the basement behind a wall that they (laughs) knock down and find. So it's, it's, Literally quite amazing, guys. I love that you're like, and also nonchalantly, there's yeah. a portal to hell. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm in my basement right right now with a fire behind me. Do you think the portal is right there? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Channel Long Island. I won't channel. Okay. So the house that the movie was based on is just under seven miles from my childhood home. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I, I've been past it. It's the address is 112 Ocean Avenue. <laughs> there it is. I hear it. Hi, Hello. Long Island. <laughs> How yeah. you doing? <laughs> How you doing? It's on the south shore of Long Island on a canal. Um, it's considered a Dutch colonial house, and it was built in 1927. And it's a 4,000 square foot house with five bedrooms and three and a half baths with a boathouse. Love I mean, it sounds wonderful. I also really would just like to interject and say that we have talked about the Amityville house since we've had a podcast mm. from 2020, <laughs> 2019, 
How long? I don't even know. Yeah, it's been a long time. And we have talked about this story for so many years. Mm-hmm. And here you go. I'm like, yeah, but not he got like arrested. Did- you can. <laughs> not in any real detail but yeah it was yeah it was, it's crazy it's and honestly like list, I like low-key on the list yeah and I didn't honestly truly know the true true story behind it because nobody cared it was like I oh there's a movie was out. and so what happened there and and I never cared to look into it until now clearly except when I listened to Donnie Wahlberg's podcast it was awesome I mean he so, could read okay. anything I think that would be fine yeah it was great it was great um, anyway, so, okay. So one of the families that lived in this house were the DeFeos. They moved into the home around 1965 and they moved from Brooklyn. And in 1974, the DeFeos were living a comfy middle-class lifestyle. Ronald Sr. was a car, car salesman slash manager at a dealership owned by his father. And he was married to Louise. They had five children. Ronald Jr. was 23 Dawn, who was 18, Allison, who I don't clearly, I don't know her age. Nope, she was 13, just kidding. And Mark was 11 and John was nine years old. So in 1974, those were their ages. It's reported in some places that Ronald Sr. was a bit of a hothead and could be domineering, especially towards his older son, Ron Jr., but it's not really corroborated in many sources. Like mm. most of the time people describe them as a typical family and they were happy and they went to church and whatever. But every now and then somebody has said this about him. So I can't hmm. really truly corroborate that. Um, there were no major issues that anyone could see on the outside from the neighborhood. Um, that is until Ron Jr. had started to kind of become a little bit of a bully. He was bullied as a child, slightly overweight at times. And by the time he was a teenager, he had started to lash out against his friends and his family because of this. Um, Mm -hmm. One time he tried to, or not tried, but threatened his father with a gun during an argument. I don't know where he got the gun from, but he had a gun. Um, It was so bad that Louise and Ron had wanted to take him to a psychiatrist to get him help. But Ron Jr. was just so convinced that He didn't need any help, that he refused to go to any of the appointments. So by the time he was 17, he was using LSD and heroin and getting himself into trouble, which is unfortunate. Oh, that is very sad. Trying to get him help. Um, I believe at some point he moved out, but things just got kind of worse for him. And so Ron and Louise offered Ron a place to live and a job at the car dealership that Ron worked out. And they offered him a weekly stipend, regardless of how he repo- um, performed at work that week. So, I don't know. I mean, so, you, you have a job, but you don't have to do your job. Right. I'm not so sure that I would do that for my mm, kid. I mean, I love no. my kids, but I yeah. don't know that I could. I don't know. feels like it's just, like I said, enabling him yeah. to not do anything. But, okay, this is what they did. They're just trying to help him out. Um, that money just went to alcohol and drugs. So again, not helping out much at all. Um, and of course this is also back in a time when mental illness was not, was just kind of sort of ignored. And then you add substance abuse on top of it and it just becomes a big mess. So Ron and Louise tried to get him help, but I'm sure the stigma of mental illness is what turned Ron Jr. off. And at one point he was, um, tasked with the job of depositing $20,000 
into the bank for the dealership. Why they gave him that Why job, would they I don't do know. That? Not a good plan. Like, yeah, you've got a kid who's on drugs and has issues, but here, make this $20,000 deposit. Well, he definitely hatched a plan to steal it for himself. Um, and I don't know the full outcome of that, but somehow the police were notified or caught on. And I don't think he was charged with anything, but it was figured out and he did not get that money. On November 13th, 1974, Ron Jr. went to work for the day. Ron Sr. would normally be at work earlier than him, but on this day, he didn't go to work. Ron Jr. would come home or call home multiple times throughout the day and get no answer. After he was finished working, he went to a local bar to meet up with his friends and again would call home a couple times from the bar and get no answer, which seems a little strange to me. Like, why are you so concerned with where your family is or what they're doing at this point? But okay. He decides to leave that bar and go check in at the home with around 6.30 p.m. And not long after that, he runs back into the bar screaming, you got to help me. I think my mother and father are shocked. He went back to the bar? Yeah, where was the bar? How far away? It was like a half mile, I don't know, a few blocks away. There was was no phone line, landline to call for? there was a phone. Yeah. There was a phone. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, clearly, all of our radars are up based on what we we do right now. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you run back to the bar? Why didn't Mm -hmm. you call somebody from the house? But, okay. So, several of his friends from the bar ran out of the bar and drove to his house. There they found the bodies of his parents and his four siblings. Oh my Mm. gosh. One of the gentlemen who came called the police from the house and stated that there had been a shooting and the entire family was dead. When police arrived, they find the bodies of both the parents and all four siblings. They had all been shot in the back while they're sleeping. Allison and Don were both shot once in the back of the head. Mark and John were both shot once in their back, and both parents were each shot twice in the back. It seemed as though Louise and one of his sisters, I don't know how they can tell this, honestly, maybe you guys know, but one of Louise, mom, and one of the sisters may have been awake while they were shot. So I'm guessing that he shot somebody, they woke up, and then they were shot. But I don't know how police or coroners can tell that. Well, it has to do with how blood does things when you're awake versus not. Okay. Yeah. Well, you get shot and you move. Yeah. Or different. Or if, um, you know, if they were walking or sitting upright, or you know, maybe Mm -hmm. they they were up and moving towards the sound. They heard the sound of another shot, and they were up and moving. Yeah. So Mm. if they're if they're out of their bed, you know, they're obviously not sleepwalking. Maybe that's how they determine that. That would be the only thing I, I could think of. Yeah. Is... I know that they were all found in their beds, like on their stomachs, hmm. but oh. clearly he could have positioned them, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe, there wasn't a whole lot yeah. of detail in all this, but huh. um, anyway, maybe there is a way. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. Um, Ron Jr. Was at home and almost, or at the home and almost inconsolable when the police arrived. And he started rambling on about how he thinks his family was targeted by the mob. And a man named Louis Fellini was a mob hitman who did it. It's always the Fellinis. (laughs) Were there there ties that the family had to the mob? Um, Okay. So 
this specific man, Fellini had lived with them for a short time. And Ron is saying he knew where my father stashed the cash, <laughs> stashed mm, the cash, the cash and precious gems. Do you guys have precious gems? Laying around? Oh my God. <laughs> I, I'll never tell. Okay. Yeah. And I'm just assuming that this guy is just known to have mob ties and that's why he's saying it, but sure. that's their tie is that he lived with them for a short time, but I don't know why or how they knew him and why he did that. But anyways, interesting. Um, but there were a few inconsistencies with his story. So they just kept questioning him and they also investigated this Louis Fellini and discovered that he was actually out of the state. And so he wouldn't have been able to commit the murders at the time that it happened. Um, after Ron was questioned, they searched the house and found boxes of bullets that matched the caliber that was found in the bodies. Hmm. Um, police questioned his friends and they told them that he was a gun fanatic and they started to kind of connect the pieces to Ron. So they go back to the station where Ron had fallen asleep after his questioning and they wake him up and they immediately read him his rights. And he's like, it was Fellini. I, it wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. I, he woke me up in the middle of the night, forced me to watch him kill his, my entire family. And then he got rid of the gun in a sewer in Brooklyn. Yeah, so that's what mobsters do. Uh, <laughs> so, so at first he doesn't know anything about how they got shot, but then all of a sudden now it's, he woke me up in the middle of the night and made me watch. He went all day mm-hmm. without, yeah. did he block it out? Yeah. Like what's his story? Exactly. Well, oh. there is no story. Oh. Like he's just like now like making stuff up, but then it doesn't make any sense because it's like, well, he went to work and he was there and they know that what time they were killed based on, I'm sure mm-hmm. like how long the bodies were there, rigor mortis, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So eventually they keep questioning him and he's like, okay, fine. I did it. I murdered my entire family. Oh so the story is that around 3.15 in the morning, of November 13th, Ronald Jr. took a 35 caliber Marlin rifle and methodically shot both of his parents and then went and shot each of his siblings. Which, wow. gosh, that is wild. Know, this is going to sound terrible the way I'm going to say it, but it's like, you know, I, I understand fine you killed your parents, but why do you got to kill the kids? Why do you got to kill your, yeah. your siblings? 100%. I don't understand why he killed his, his fi- parents either. But I think, if I'm thinking about this, I'm like, what? But why the siblings? What honestly, I think because you want to absolve yourself from guilt and mm-hmm. you don't want to acknowledge that you have affected the other children. And so it's just easier yeah. if you just take everybody out and then it's only mm-hmm. you and who's going to say and you can live your lie and go about your business and there's no guilt. Right. Yeah. And no witnesses and no witnesses because I'm sure somebody would have woken up and seen Ron running or I don't know. Something. He doesn't anyway. sound like a sociopath. He sounds like somebody who has a drug addiction and maybe some men- mental illness issues, but that also just could be drug addiction. You know, it mm-hmm. could be a result of drug addiction or alcoholism right. It doesn't mm-hmm. sound like he's an uncaring sociopath who has no sense of right or wrong. So, right, you just you think in the I, I that's the way I'm looking at it. Anyways, I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It totally makes sense. Um, 
So Ron says to the police that it happens really fa- fast. <laughs> um, and once he started, he just couldn't stop. So then he took a shower, changed clothes, got rid of the bloody clothes and the gun in a sewer, not in Brooklyn. Though. Um, and the gun was eventually found in the Amityville Creek, which connects to the sewers that he says he got rid of them from. Ronald DeFeo Jr. went to trial for the murders on October 14th, 1975. His lawyer tried to use the insanity defense because he said he had heard voices telling him to kill his family, but the prosecution argued that he was just a typical drug user with mental illness and he was totally aware of what he was doing And at the time. He was convicted of six counts of second-degree murder and sentenced to six concurrent sentences of 25 years to life. He spent the rest of his life in a prison in upstate New York. He was denied parole each time he was up for it. In the 1990s, he attempted to get a new trial because then he stated that Don, his sister, was the one that killed everyone, and he walked in on it and then killed her fighting for the gun. Gosh. Why wouldn't you have said that in the first place then if that's what happened? Yeah, tell me about it. 20 years later. Right? Right. Yeah. No one believed this and he was not granted a new trial and he died at the age of 69 in on March 12th, 2021. So he didn't die not too Oh, long wow. Ago. wow. Yeah. Um and his cause of death was never released. Why? How Natural died. causes most likely. Mm. Yes. Right. So after year a year after the murders, okay, so this is where the movie comes into play. The murders happened in, the, in this house, but that's not what the movie's about. The movie's about mm. the paranormal activity that happened. So oh. a year, yeah, a year after the murders, the house was put on the market. On December 18th, 1975, Kathy and George Lutz moved into the house. George was the vice president and treasurer of a surveying firm in Syosset, New York. They moved in with Kathy's three children from a previous marriage, Christopher, Daniel, and Melissa. They purchased the house for $80,000, which was well below market value because of the murders that had occurred in the house. The day they, yeah. The day they moved in, they had a priest come in to bless their home. And I'm guessing this is their version of saging. <laughs> it, it is a, a traditional way of saging. Yes, it, it is. is. Yes. 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 For for Catholics. Mm-hmm. Holy saging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Lutzes claim that after the priest, after that, the priest called them and told them while he was there, he heard a voice telling him to get out and they should stay out of the second floor bedroom and not to use it as a bedroom or let anyone sleep in it. Mm. He didn't they say would that later while find out. he was there? Like, why wouldn't you say that while you're there? Like, hey, like, like Whoopi Goldberg and, and Ghost, girl, you in danger. Right. <laughs> like, you in danger, people. Yeah. <laughs> you in danger, girl. <laughs> you in danger, girl. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It was like, yeah, why did he like, yeah, I don't understand. I mean, in the movie, it shows that he came and the, the family, like, wasn't there when he was there. But so I don't know if that's actually what Oh, happened. maybe. But okay. Anyways. Hmm. Anyway. Okay, so they would later find out that this bedroom was Ron's bedroom, the one who committed the murders. The family then claimed to have experienced many instances of paranormal activity. George claimed that he would wake up at 3.15 every day, the time that all the murders occurred. 
They would smell strange odors and there would be green slime on the walls and a gelatinous like drops on the carpet, which is so strange. Like, Sounds like a plumbing I? problem. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Tell me. <Gosh>. Gross. <laughs> yeah. There were cold spots in the house and they mm. also did claim they saw a pig-like creature because I thought that was just like an embellishment in the movie, but they did claim there was a pig-like creature with red eyes in the window when they were outside. Oh, wow. Okay. That's crazy. Kathy and one of the kids were said to have levitated in their beds and they would also randomly, or actually Kathy would turn into this like old 90 year old woman. Like he would see an old 90 year old woman when he looked at her. What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it became so intense that the family just would just get up and leave the home on January 14th, 1976, after 28 days of living there. And they never wow. looked back. What? Yeah. That's insane. So they sent movers to get, I know, only 28 days. So this, like, this family actually did do this. They sent movers to get their belongings. They would sell things off in the home that they didn't want and didn't care about. Police gave the Lutzes lie detector tests and they always pass them. They said the children would corroborate their stories. In March of 1976, the couple got a um, contract from a group who had written a book about the house and their experience, one of which was the attorney for Ron DeFeo Jr. Hmm. So okay. it's a little, mm-hmm. little, little weird. Kathy and George would get a small percentage of the money for this book. So Kathy and George end up rejecting this deal and enter into a deal with author Jay Anson, who would eventually write the book, The Amityville Horror. Okay. Which the movie is based on. And Mm -hmm. in that deal, they would get 50% of profits. So they chose that deal instead of- Because it was their story. Right. Yes. So they used 40-something hours of recorded statements- to help with writing this book and the family would eventually net $300,000 from their stories, which is quite a bit of money back at that time. Mm-hmm. They were scrutinized for their stories saying they were exaggerated or made up. And George and Kathy eventually would divorce in 1988 and Kathy would pass away in 2004 from emphysema. George passes away in 2006 from heart disease. Okay. So the kids, they start talking to the kids like, okay, we think that your parents made this up. Daniel refuses to talk about this. Melissa has never been located. So the only one that's ever spoken out about it is Christopher. And he states that there was some paranormal activity in his opinion, but that everything that had been stated for like the book and the movies as fact was embellished to the point of fiction by George. George made it all up and. Oh, interesting. Whatever. So he said that George was obsessed with the occult and would try and summon the, summon the spirits. So all of it was his own fault anyway. Hmm. Oh, the no. Parapsychology Institute of America, which apparently was like started in Durham, North Carolina. Did you know that? Welcome. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, they were sent out to investigate and found no evidence of paranormal activity. I have no idea what you do to test that. <laughs> but they did. And they went in and said, nope. No paranormal activity. The house went into foreclosure in 1977 and was purchased by James and Barbara Cromarty in April of 77. They lived there for over a decade and never experienced anything paranormal in the home. Okay. It's been lived in by new. 
What? That they reported. Well, I mean, they've been asked and they're like, no, nothing ever happened. Okay. Like, anyway. Okay. It's been lived in by numerous other families who also report the same thing. Nothing has ever happened in this house. They also, one of the owners changed the address from 112 Ocean Avenue to 108 Ocean Avenue to deter people from visiting mm-hmm. it, but that did not work because no, clearly not everyone very, knows. Everybody <laughs> knows what it looks like. It's pretty, I mean, you can look at the picture, yeah. Yeah, yeah that exactly. picture is everywhere. Yeah, they did change the outside of the home quite a bit over the years, especially the iconic like quarter round windows mm-hmm. on the side of the house. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but the house in the movie is actually a house in Tom's River, New Jersey. It's not the actual house. That oh, looks no. similar. And huh. they have even changed the outside of their home to discourage people from coming to it and wow. <laughs> see it. Oh, wow. Okay. Years after William Weber, who is the um, uh, attorney for Ron DeFeo Jr., that was originally part of the first book contract, he came forward and told People Magazine that he, George, and Kathy made up the wild stories about the house after several bottles of wine. Wow. Oh, so they were buddies. Mm-hmm. They're buddies. Um, but people are like, did he say that because he was mad at them because he didn't take their deal and then he made money off of it? Or was this really mm. the truth? I don't know. We don't know. But that's mm. the story behind the Amityville horror movie. And who knows if actually any of it was true. We don't know. Wow. <laughs> but everyone, But everyone says it's not. That they embellished it. That is wild. Wild. I I actually, the only thing that I know, well, because I did watch the movie with Ryan Reynolds and it it was very, it was also very cheesy. Um, Mm -hmm. It's in the beginning of the second Conjuring movie. She, um, Lorraine, yeah, Lorraine and Ed Warren visited that house, like quite famously visited that house several times. And in the beginning of the second Conjuring movie, they're like doing a seance and she's basically going through, she's like connected with the, the son who did the killing, like she's connected with him and she's watching him go through and do it. And she's like talking about how, what's going, like what happened in the house. Hmm. That that is the the most that I remember about the house. Like, yeah, it's a weird it's a weird connection. But yeah, yeah, that's. I'm gonna have, now. I'm gonna have to go and watch The Conjuring. I was just gonna say I <laughs> you haven't watched The Conjuring now because no, me either. So it's the second movie that that they do that. The first one is actually based also off of a supposedly haunted house. That I cannot remember oh. where it's at, um, but it's it's based off of like a a story of like a, a witch who cursed a house, and a family ends up having issues there huh. too. So it's huh. they're very creepy movies. They're very well done, but they're very creepy. And if anybody is is has not seen it and goes to see it, the second one freaked me out worse because there's this creepy nun. It's like a demon who's a nun, and that's where the the movie The Nun comes from. Is this like oh. demon thing oh. that looks like a, a nun, and it shows itself as a nun to Lorraine Warren in the movies. I have not seen The Nun because I can't deal with creepy 
church art artifact people things. I can't do it. But yeah. Well, you know what's really funny is that the only part that actually creeped me out in the Amityville horror movie is that the the clergy that would come and the the priest who like was sweating and got sick and was sick and every time he called them because this is embellished by the movie mm-hmm. to tell them about the house, like something would happen and he wouldn't be able to talk. He wouldn't be able to breathe and whatever. And then her like aunt is a nun and she came to just like welcome them. And she was like, I feel violently ill just walking in. And I'm like, it's the only creepy part to me. <laughs> Not like no slime bad. coming from the wall. Nothing was <laughs> creepy except for that. But Oh, also, George tried, or I don't know if he was successful, but trademark the name Amityville Horror. Oh, really? So, like, no one could use it. So, that's honestly why everyone thinks that they made this up or, like, embellished things. Like, maybe things happen because, you know, there could be people that would haunt their house or whatever, but they think it was for the money. And he was just trying to, like, yeah, totally gain from all of this. He knew what happened in the house, and he's like, "Let's buy this house that's under market, and let's profit." From yeah, this. So that's why they think they did. I mean, it's a business thing. Huh. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, gross. I mean, I believe that it's possible. Maybe, maybe they were haunted, not the house. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like maybe the 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 family was haunted. George and his family mm-hmm. were haunted, and maybe they associated it with the house and they profited off of that. I'm not saying they're not profiting or that that isn't feasible, but maybe it's just them since nobody after them has had a an mm-hmm. experience. Maybe it was right. just them. See, I knew you guys, you spiritual <laughs> people, would have some sort of because I'm like bullshit. <laughs> I mean, (laughs) nothing happened to them. (laughs) Probably not. Honestly. I mean, I, I think 90% of it is, is bullshit, but I do think that there is that slight small chance that these things happen sometimes. I have, I have just enough faith in it to be wary of it. Right. But I always think that there's a reasonable explanation for things too. I'm not a complete crackpot. (laughs) Oh, I wasn't calling you a crackpot. A lot of people. No, 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 no. I I (laughs) laugh about it. I laughingly say that because we used to watch nothing but haunted shows and ghost hunters and all sorts of weird stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It was it was our pastime. (laughs) Yeah, which is an odd thing to watch with your children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which is, I mean, this is, I I say it all the time. This is the weirdest thing for me to get into because I don't like horror movies at all. I Mm -hmm. I can barely stand to to watch them. All I talk about is serial killers. And and I am probably, I'm I'm the very perfect combination of, I believe that these haunting things are possible, but I also believe that there's reasonable explanations for things and not everything Mm -hmm. is, is supernatural. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. I I that's crazy. I I really I wish that we knew what the hell he was thinking. I always think that. Why why are you going to go murder your family just one day? Like what set you off at three o'clock in the morning that you just needed to murder your family? You know, right? Like what? Yeah. What and so because he said he heard voices, I think that's where they like got 
the idea to do some paranormal. He heard voices to kill his baby. Yeah. Well, it's so, a good story. Cool story, bro. So that was the beginning of the paranormal, you think? That, I, yeah. Yes, it was the beginning. Yeah. But, you know, it's just so sad because, it, I mean, like, yes, they touch on that in the movie that they this family was killed. But, like, the whole concept of the house has nothing to do with, not nothing to do with this family being killed. But, like, it's not like the family is haunting them. It was weird other stuff that was happening. Bad energy that provoked the family. Yeah. I guess. To kill. Yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going. No, to the house. I, I drove past it when I was younger. Nope. I mean, you didn't really have a choice, though, right? You, have to. you have to. Seven, it's seven miles away from my house off Merrick Avenue. I gotta go. Right. <laughs> she, she mapped it, guys, and then sent me a picture of her child. Oh yeah, I did. I, I mapped know. it, and I was like, "Oh, good. That, look, this is my where I lived when I was yeah, little." <laughs> Seven miles from this horrific crime scene. <laughs> is that what's wrong with you, Christy? Now we know. You're, <laughs> maybe you're not. No, I'm joking. Nothing is wrong with you. You're perfect. <laughs> but, you know. Long you know Island is what happened. That's what's wrong with me. <laughs> I will I will totally offend all Long Islanders now when I said that. Yeah, right. But that's what's wrong with me. <laughs> or that's what's right with you. Oh, okay. Mm. That could be what's Maybe. right with you. I mean, Maybe. yeah, also, you always, you always had got to flip it to, to the other side. Can you say that word? Skepticism. Skepticism. <laughs> got it. I'm here now. You did. You said it. Mm-hmm. All right. So it is time. We're going to take it to Cass for her fun fact. Spooky fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> Welcome back to the fun fact. Yes. Hi, everyone. <laughs> okay. So, let's see here. What do I got today? Um. So, mummies. Do we like mummies? Do we hate mummies? I like them. Well, they're in a lot of dirty cloths, so. Okay. That's true. They are. But... You guys kind of know um, how mummies exist, right? Like, they kind mm-hmm. of, like, come about by, um, they, like, dry out soft tissue, altering decom- decomposition. Um, ancient Egyptians used to use a lot of salt, that kind of stuff, to dry out the mummies, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Usually, the skin was somehow left intact, right? hmm What do we have? Okay, how do I explain this? How do I do this? Um, mummies have skin, right? Mm-hmm. We have skin, right? Mm-hmm. Are, are we following? Yeah, I'm following. We're following you, I think. Okay. Everyone has skin, right? Uh-huh. On our hands, what do our hands have on our fingers specifically that is unique to every person? Fingerprints. Fingerprints? Yes. And mummies, in fact, can keep their fingerprints. Oh. Really? It just dries yeah. up and it just stays? Yeah, Like the pattern of it? Ooh. Yes. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. 
So Ew. we can take fingerprints from mummies from like <gasps> 3,000 years ago. Hmm? If you so wanted to. Wow. That is amazing. We could plant their fingerprints at a scene. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my we God. We've just, we've just, like, that's a Scooby Doo episode. Just, just get your hands on a mummy hand. <laughs> right. Hey, You're there's mummies at the museums all the time. Right. Just break in. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, mummies are actually really interesting. Like, Victorians, I think it was Victorians, they would, like, grind up mummies and, like, use it as medicine and stuff. Oh, yeah. And taint pigment. Like, crazy, crazy stuff with mummies. I'm just saying. Wow. That's really fascinating, actually. Just because you just would think, I don't know. I guess I didn't realize that their skin stayed intact underneath it. I don't know why. It just wasn't something that ever entered my mind. So it becomes like leathery, mm-hmm. like a leathery type thing. Or no? From what I understand, I think up? it does get kind of a leathery situation and yeah. the press into the skull and it looks like a mummy and it's all, you know, weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Is that they, the technical term? <laughs> yes. Wow. It's the technical term. Yes. Cass only speaks in technical terms. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That is amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's a crazy so, thing to uh, now have. She has a new avenue for crime now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't follow that advice, people. <laughs> we are not. It's you know, funny. We're people not uh, negligible. Because we have a tr- no, we have a true crime podcast. And so people are always like, oh, you guys could commit the perfect crime, right? Do you get that, mm-hmm. Christy? Um, well, no, Emery constantly says that you and I are doing a, um, extensive research project. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I feel like other people are like, oh my gosh, you know so much about true crime. You could totally like murder someone. No one even know. And it's like, guys, we well, know why not to murder someone. Exactly. <laughs> yes. We know why people get <laughs> caught. That doesn't mean that we can evade. Right, but I will say that they could never use our search history against us because we search this crap all the time. And so I could just add a different one in there. Right. (laughs) Every now and then. Like how to to steal a mummy fingers. Right. (laughs) Do you remember? I don't remember um, what episode it was. Oh, gosh. I think it was the Ellen Bohm episode that we did. But where they were giving the children an ear infection. Or maybe it was the other lady. Garnett. But anyway, it doesn't matter. And I was like searching how to get give your child an ear infection. I was like, oh my gosh, people's social service is going to come out. Right. DCF. <laughs> so, there is actually a way. There's actually a way that you can mummify chickens. Did you guys know that? So we did the school mm-hmm. project uh, when Mara was going to a charter school. We had to mummify a chicken, like a whole fryer. <laughs> Basically, we called it Chicky Tut. And it was, <laughs> we mummified and wrapped a chicken, a whole chicken. Where'd you get it? From the store. Just a, a whole fryer. So you like bought a dead chicken. Yeah. Not like a whole no, chicken. No, no, no. Not a whole. Okay. Yeah. Like the one that you Sorry, would just I buy. I went way back. <laughs> no, I can't. I, I could not do that to a live thing. Okay. I'm not okay. a butcher. Oh. Like, here, we're going to murder this chicken. We're going to mummify it. So I mean, it's a school project. It's a whole this thing. was a really progressive charter school. Right. And I had questions. <laughs> it was for 4-H. I don't know. 
<laughs> no, it wasn't. It was she was doing like this immersion thing where she learned uh, Greek and Latin, and I I don't know. It it was this weird mm-hmm. thing. So she was interested in Egypt. She thought she was going to be an Egyptologist. So they were like, well, what could you do that would be a project and reflect, you know, something that you've learned from Egypt? And she mummified a chicken. That's amazing. Actually. So That's you could so, so you could happened, mummify a what person. What did you do with it after? We we threw it away. It like it smelled really bad. Oh, it did. <laughs> yeah, so that it's, didn't work. It then. smelled really bad. Um, and I I think it would have smelled for a while, and then eventually it it just doesn't. But we was it just like on your porch or no? It was in the kitchen. It was just in Ooh. the kitchen in a in a bag in several Ziploc bags. <sighs> And it's wrappings and, I mean, it was wrapped with gauze and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It was just sitting on the, on the counter for a long time. Why didn't I know this? Um, I don't, we lived in Sacramento at the time, so I don't know. You're a much more supportive mom than I am. I thought it was kind of cool, actually. <laughs> I was into it. I think I was just as into it as she was. It was it was kind of cool, but I'm just saying, like nowadays, like we don't we think that it's an ancient thing. You could still mummify somebody, like mm-hmm. it could it mm-hmm. could happen. So, hmm. yeah, I'm not ready to put it. on the search list. <laughs> That's what I want you to do with my body, mama. No, I am not. Oh my gosh! No, I really can we take your fingerprints? Yes, because they could they could get your fingerprints after three thousand years. Yeah. yeah, and then they can clone me, and then I'll live on. It'll be really cool. I don't hate that. You mm-hmm. should live on. I you should. Of all people. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I'm of my generation. Hundred percent. Who yeah. Who else fun. would be able to give us fun facts? You could be no one. You could be the complete centuries long person for the fun facts. Oh my god. And, and then I can be like, did you know in like 2023 we had like stuff? I don't know. It's yeah. just the first thing stuff. That's stuff. the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> we had stuff. We had stuff. <laughs> we had TikTok. <laughs> we had TikTok. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. You just had to be there. <laughs> And you were. Yeah. I love this. Mummies yes. have fingerprints. Mummies or have at least fingerprints. They discovered one that has. I'm not going to say all, but at least one had fingerprints. I believe they all did. And I choose not to have my fingerprints live on in infamy. Because <laughs> you never know what I'm going to do. <laughs> You'll just end up in some British museum, you know, on display with your fingerprints. Mm-hmm. Not a bad way to go out. I think that would be amazing. I actually love that journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be a moment. It, it would definitely it would be. be a moment. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for that love fun, fact. fun fact. Yeah, of course. What else am I good for? Apparently. <laughs> I mean, what else do you need to be good for? You make us all happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. That makes me feel warm and gooey inside, which is a new <laughs> feeling. <laughs> you should clone that in your fingerprint. Yes. I should. Make sure that that gets cloned. Yes. I think you're going to need to have like a, a last will and testament with all of these 
these things in them. You're going to have to um, have some specificity on how you would like your cloning to happen and for what purpose. I will leave you in charge of that. because, Honey, yeah. I'm already going to be gone. Why do you keep thinking I'm outliving you? I'll be gone as soon as I can be gone. Oh, At a reasonable age. Oh. I don't want to live that long. A reasonable age? I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, the world's getting pretty crazy. You can't talk. Know. We're we're gonna. We can't talk gonna, about that. She can't speak of it. We're gonna edit that mm-hmm. out. It's fine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Alrighty, but yeah, that's my fun fact. Yay. Right. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, of course. It's always been fun. It's always lit. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. You're the best. Of course. All right. Well, for my horror movie, I chose something that I had never seen or heard of before. And this was not my first choice. My first choice turned out to be um, a complete lie. It, It was completely fabricated, not a real thing. And... I was I was very disappointed, but this is a case from our friends down under in Australia. Talking oh. of, yeah, talking about all the crazy stuff down there. This mm-hmm. movie is titled Wolf Creek, which was released in 2005. It also has two sequels, one of which will be released in 2024. And there's also a mini series with the same title that I think had two seasons. The, I have literally never heard of it. <laughs> I never heard of it either, either, right? The Rotten Tomatoes rating is sitting at 54% on the tomato meter and 49% in the audience score. It was also nominated for several awards, including Best Horror Film in 2005, and it had won three in various categories, not that category. Wolf Creek, huh? Wolf Creek. Okay, well, I'm, writing, I'm writing this down. So I only watched the first movie. I it was so gory. I I just couldn't. I could barely stand it. Um, which is again is odd because of what I discuss on a weekly basis. <laughs> um. So disclaimer: I cannot like speak to the fr- franchise or the miniseries or anything. This movie is based on a serial killer from a remote area near. Um, it's called uh, Belanglo State Forest in New South Wales, Australia. And of course, the movie takes a complete like divert from what happened to, you know, from what actually happened to make it a little more interesting. The story, though, the cases are completely um, just equally as gory. Hmm. One of the descriptions I read likened it to, quote, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre set in the Outback, end quote. And I, I think that's actually perfect. That's so, gross. Yeah. In this movie, there are three friends that set out into Wolf Creek National Park to backpack in to view a crater that's in um, from like a meteor that's in the Outback. And the friends get out to this crater. They see this amazing, you know, phenomena and they're they're just high on life. It's just it's great. And then unfortunately, when they get back to their car, that was a very hasty purchase just for this trip. It won't start. 
So they make camp in their car for the night and they hope that they're going to find some help the next day. And in the middle of the night, they are come upon by a seemingly angel of mercy. His name is Mick Taylor. He offers to take them back to his home, which I will add is part of an abandoned mine shaft or something. And then he helps them out, you know, so he, he's going to help them out so they can get back into civilization. And, and of course, this is where it all goes south for our friends. They are drugged. One of them is tortured before being killed. Another escapes but is found and killed. And the third is the lone survivor after being nailed to a crucifix in the mine shaft. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Our psychopathic killer, Mick Taylor, is never caught and brought to justice in this first movie. Um, and apparently since they're making a third that's coming out, he has still not been caught. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. In real life, the movies are based off of convicted serial killer Ivan Milat, who was nicknamed the backpacker murderer by the press. Milat was found to be responsible for the deaths of seven people, two men and five Whoa. women. Yeah, from 1989 to 1992. He has never admitted to any of the crimes that he was convicted of. So on September 19th, 1992, the first victims found were Joanna Walters and Caroline Clark, ages 22 and 21, respectively. They were found by two runners taking part in something called orienteering. So fun fact, have you guys ever heard of this? Orienteering. Mm -mm. Okay, I couldn't figure out what the heck this was. So the basic okay. definition is the sport of navigation using a highly detailed map. So basically you're given a, a starting point, a map that will get you, it's a topographical map and you get a compass and this map and whatever supplies you need and you take off to find the next check-in point that will have your next map. And it's a sport. So it's a, it's, it's a marathon like kind of thing. The amazing race. I mean, I was basically, just the amazing race. But you could die. Yeah, like, <laughs> right. Oh, but you could die. <laughs> but not as not as fun. Hunger Games and the amazing Hunger race. Games meets the Amazing Race. Yes, <laughs> okay. but it is a thing. It's a sport. So it's called orienteering. I thought it was a, an Australian made up word. It's not. <laughs> so law enforcement comes in. They do a sweep of the area after these two runners, you know, report that they found these bodies. They don't find anything else at this time that um, would lead to other victims. Both victims had to be identified using their dental records. Hmm. These were the last known victims, um, but they were the first found before Malat was caught. These ladies were visiting from Britain and they had been backpacking together through Australia and had last been seen on Hume Highway getting directions to go to Victoria. They wanted to go berry picking of all of the wholesome things to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go get berries. Oh. Their bodies were found within 100 feet of one another in the Belango um, forest. It was believed that Caroline was used as target practice as she was shot 10 times in the head with precision. 10 times? 10 times. Joanne was tortured, having been stabbed 15 times. My goodness gracious. 
In October of 1993, the next two victims were found in the same national forest when a local was gathering firewood. Deborah Everest, 19, and James Gibson, 19, were a young couple who had been missing since December of 1989. They both had been brutally killed in a similar manner as Joanne Walters, so James was stabbed eight times, one of which would have rendered him paralyzed while still alive. Others, um, other stabs punctured his heart and his lungs, which would have been what killed him. <laughs> Deborah had been stabbed once in her back, but her cause of death was uh, deemed to be from skull fractures. There were stab marks on her forehead, but her skull was cracked in multiple areas. Her jaw was broken and completely dislocated. Um, it was it was brutal. My goodness. Yeah. Um, authorities thought it was really odd to find the bodies there in this area as a camera and a backpack belonging to James had been found in an area about 75 five miles north of where the National Forest is right after they disappeared in 1989. So they they found these items but had no trace of them until four years later. Hmm. The last victims found were in November of 1993 during a police sweep of the forest along like fire, um, uh, like fire brush sweeping to so that, you know, they could alleviate fire issues. Three victims were found in close range together. They were all. Oh, are you guys still there? Mm hmm. Okay. So three victims were found in very close range together. All of them were from Germany. However, they were not all connected to one another. So one victim was, um, and I'm, I apologize for these names. I listened to them on Google to, to try to pronounce them. I, I'm going to have a hard time. So the first victim was Simone um, Schmidl, age 21. She had been reported missing after last being seen in Sydney in January of 1991. She unfortunately was found to have been tortured, just like the other victims, and she was repeatedly stabbed almost exactly like James Gibson had been, um, being stabbed once in the spine and paralyzed, and then mm -hmm. other stabs. In the shallow grave, they found clothing that were not hers, which quickly led them to finding two more victims just uh, three days later on November 4th. And this was um, Gaber Nuzgauer, age 21, and his girlfriend Anja Hash Habshid. Habshid? Wow. I know. Those are some names. They are. And I feel bad because I'm sure they're beautiful and I'm saying them horribly. Mm -hmm. um, she is age 20 when she was... Um, killed they were found feet away in another shallow grave so these are almost 12 months apart these murders took place um so he definitely was a, a person who went back to his safe spot basically he was able to to dump and not fear of being found so this couple had been backpacking and they were last seen at King's Cross Hostel in December of 1991, which the two ladies from Britain also had been seen um, in that same hostel or nearby it. They, there was a connection there. Both were killed okay. in the same way as the others. So um, Gabor had been shot in the head six times while Anja was stabbed and actually decapitated. 
her head was never recovered. Oh my gosh, where is it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's right. Who knows? It's the outback. God only knows. Oh my nice. gosh. The dingles. <laughs> the dingles. <laughs> so how was Milat brought to justice? You might be asking at this point. So news was spread far and wide, and in November of 1993, a United Kingdom resident contacted police in New South Wales that he may have escaped the killer that they were looking for. In January of 1990, while he had been in the area backpacking. So Paul Onions relayed that he had made a police report about this attempted kidnapping while he was in the area. He was picked up by a man who gave his name as Bill And Paul was just hitchhiking, getting to the next place. The car ride was short-lived as Paul, um, so Bill pulled a a revolver on him and and basically was going to kill him, had rope and the revolver was going to take him to a location and kill him. Paul was able to get out of the car while it was moving. He jumped and ran off on Hume Highway and he was picked up by another driver And she was able to help him get to safety, and he was able to make this report to the police. Oh, wow. Yeah. So after the original report was found in police records and they verified that what he was saying was true, Paul flew down to help identify this mysterious bill. And eventually, all the evidence and Paul's statement um, of the events that, you know, happened in 1990 led to the arrest of Milat on May 22nd, 1994. And he pleaded not guilty, but he was convicted by a jury of all seven murders and the attempted murder and false imprisonment of Paul Onions. He was sentenced to seven life terms for the murders and 12 years for the attempted murder and imprisonment charges. So there's a lot that I, there's so much more to the story. Like it, it's, there's a prior criminal history. There's some family involvement and he, there's just a lot that I, I couldn't include because we're, you know, we don't have two hours for each of our cases here. Yeah, that's what I was thinking the whole time. Like, yeah. there's got to be so much more to this backstory. There really is. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it is crazy. Um, so weird coincidence, I guess you want to call it. He passed away on, of all days, October 27th, 2019. Which is exactly four years ago to the day that this recording is being released. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I love when that kind of stuff happens. So he never admitted to any of this. He went to the grave silent. He would not discuss it. There are other unsolved cases that, I mean, several unsolved cases from this same area that kind of fit the M.O., that they could not tie to him, you know, with any any large amount of, of evidence, he would not even speak about it. Hmm. He just would not. Yeah. Wow. He is considered one of Australia's most prolific serial killers and thought to be responsible for like 20-ish or more possible murders. Wow. Wow, that's a yeah. lot. No, thank you. There was a statistic at the beginning of the movie that stated 30,000 people are reported missing in Australia every year. 90% are found within the first month of their disappearance. So 10% 
go unfound or found years later, months later. Wow. Yeah. So who knows? You guys may get this in a future episode somewhere down the line because there was a lot. Um, there is also. I know. Well, <laughs> I hope so because I really want to know. <laughs> the other and we actually do have a lot of Australian listeners. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, There is also another person, Bradley Murdoch, who committed a similar crime in 2001 and was on trial for the murder of this person that he, um, you know, was disappeared uh, while this movie was being filmed in the area. And it caused quite a lot of heartache um, for a lot of, you know, the victims families because they and and specifically the the one victim of Murdoch's because they thought that they were making a movie of of his murder had it was not even him but he's considered a copycat oh yeah so he's a copycat of and like i said there's just so much with malat his family also went on to do some copycat stuff it's crazy there's just there's this whole rabbit hole so yeah gosh wow that's interesting. I re- I'm so curious. I'm literally like, oh man, I really wish I knew all the other stuff. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> Background. Yeah. All and, of it. <laughs> and I was like, how much could I enter it? Like, could, could I present? And I'm like, yeah, not not even half of this right. can make it in yeah. really, honestly. So I chose to focus on the victims instead of the prior history with that, with the time that I had. Right. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. It's crazy. So yeah. That is crazy. I'm I'm curious to know what else they could do in these movies. I don't know. Obviously something. Well, I know. Now I'm, I really want to watch the movie. And Me I kind of want to watch the series. Well, the, I don't know about the series. I know the first movie is um, just on Prime Video for free. So you don't even have to pay oh, to watch it. Sweet. I don't know about the second mm-hmm. one, but I know the first one is. Good to know. Yeah. And that's what I will be doing tomorrow. Okay. Well, you have fun with that because I <laughs> I was pretty I was pretty grossed out. <laughs> yeah. It's spooky season. It is spooky season. I'm I just want to I stick to my my usuals. I have a few movies that I can watch. Scream being one of them. That's about it. <gasps> well Ooh, that's Monday. good. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Well, spoiler. Well, because because well, for me, it, Scream is just fake. <laughs> yeah, it always has been to me until now. Until Monday. So, till Monday. Until Monday. And then it becomes real, right? Which ties us in. So we're mm-hmm. going to wrap up our episode here, but remember, there's a part two. Don't miss out on Beth and Bryce discussing their chosen movies on Crimes and Closets feed. That episode is going to drop on Monday, October 30th, one day before Halloween. And if you are not following our friends, Beth and Christy, I don't know what the hell is wrong with you. Get to going. You don't want to miss this special episode or anything else from these ladies. So how can we find you ladies? Everywhere. On Instagram, Crimes and Closets, Instagram, Crimes and Closets, Facebook, Crimes and Closets podcast, all the things. YouTube. Oh, yeah, YouTube, too. You're on the tubes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yep. Anywhere you guys All find us, podcasters. you can find them. We're happy to have you. Thank you so much. Welcome in. Yay. <laughs> stay out of the wood and stay stay out of the woods and in your closets. Yes. Yes. It is spooky season. We need yeah. everybody to be safe and fun for Halloween. And like you guys always say, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closets. And stay out of the damn woods. <laughs> stay out of the woods. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.